Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Steve and I are not together. Uh, Steve is calling in from an undisclosed location because he wants to keep his, well, whatever, no, I'm just getting stupid. Um, anyway, I'm just back in town from Illinois. Got some stories related to that. Steve, how you doing, man? Good, man. Just uh, here in the state of Michigan um, and uh, helping out a friend with some things. So, you know, calling in from, from the show. Um but yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and rock and roll. All right, man. So we we just passed the January sixth uh, anniversary. I've got a lot of thoughts about this, but uh, I'd like to throw it to you first. Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, it's, I hate calling it an anniversary, but I mean, it's just the it is. You know, I mean, the, no, I know exactly what it is. I know that's what it is, but um, I don't know. Just the word anniversary has different connotations, but. Um, you know, my, my feelings on this haven't changed for, uh, over the last, I mean, 65 plus days. Um, you know, I mean, I think, uh, I'm disappointed in the prosecutors and the federal prosecutors. Um, I think that they should have been more aggressive with the charges. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, I think that anybody that attacked a police officer that, uh, physically damaged a door, a window, kicked it in, whatever, if they stole property, uh, you know, from one of the offices, something along those lines, then they should have, they should have been charged um, with seditious conspiracy. Um, I just, I, I, I fully believe it. If you look at what the, you know, if you look at the, what the, the law says about seditious conspiracy, I don't, I, I, I could make the argument that it fits. Um, I would hit them with that charge. And then I would also hit them with the more, you know, standard, standard charges. Um, you know, the class, the, the one thing that I'm, I, I'm not a fan of in a criminal justice system is overcharging, but I would absolutely overcharge these people or what I feel is charge them appropriately. Um, but left myself wiggle room where if you didn't get the seditious conspiracy, then all right, fine. You get assaulting a police officer, you get, you know, breaking in there or, or whatever. Sure. Um, but I just, I, you know, so that's, that's my frustration there. Uh, with, with, you know, kind of how this has gone since then. Um, you know, I can't appreciate the issue there. Um, you know, you got, you only have so many prosecutors uh, and, you know, you've got, you know, hundreds of people, right? I mean, you've got 400 people that you're trying to get through and you're trying to get through um, as fast and most efficiently as you can. Um, there are political ramifications to, to, you know, how you charge and sentence people in this particular instance, knowing that there's a, a fever pitch across the country. So I, while I, I, I appreciate it, I think that there could have been um, some more nuance to this and it could have been handled better. Um, there's still people that, you know, we're kind of yet to see how their cases shake out in terms of, um, you know, if they're found guilty and what the sentences are going to be and things like that. Um, and there's some, you know, some people who, who who still have, you know, we've yet to know their fate. People did some pretty egregious things. We know that they've been captured and and, and that they're they're in waiting. Um, so it's not over. We we obviously have the January 6th committee um, that's investigating this that has, you know, 
mixed, you know, mixed re reviews results to this point. Um, but I think it's important that that they just continue to, 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 you know, hammer this out and do their best to get to the bottom of it. Um, you know, we're starting to see, we're seeing even more video from that day. Um, you know, and, and anybody who watched it day of knew that this was more than just a riot. Um, like, if you want to call it a riot, that's fine. But once they start, you know, breaking down the doors of where Congress is, where they're going to do something that they've done, you know, literally with no issue for the last 45 presidents or 44 presidents, um, you know that this is more than just a riot, you know? Sure. And um, I, I think I'm on the, on January 6th of, of uh, 2021, I was furious. I was, and I, I know we talked about it back then. My conservative, but kind of unaware cousin called me. And just got an earful. Like, he, I answered the phone. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know I'm doing? I'm watching the fucking cocksuckers who do this shit. And I went nuts on him. It was actually kind of cathartic. It, it caused me to calm down a bit. But it infuriated me then. I'm, in, I'm still furious. And now I'm even a bit more annoyed because a year later, there's still people playing this down. There's more people playing it down. One of a different conservative friend, Mike the Dentist, I brought him up before, texted me, Happy Insurrection Day. I'm like, you know, you think you're being cute. You think you're trolling. You think you're poking me with a stick. You're being a cunt. Sorry. It's all, all I can do. And, and my mom yells at me every time I drop a C-bomb on the show. I'll take this one. Um, the, the, the people downplaying this infuriate me. And you sent me a link to uh, Ted Cruz's um, uh, appearance on Tucker Carlson after calling the people who attacked the Capitol terrorists and then Tucker Carlson needing to play his narrative. Um, I can give the recap if you want, or again, you sent it to me, so I'll, I'll give you the, the chance. Yeah, no, go, no, go ahead. So basically, ahead. Ted Cruz called the, used the word terrorists, and Tucker Carlson called him out, and then Ted Cruz and Tucker had a text exchange where Ted Cruz said, I want to come on your show and explain what I really meant. And he claimed to have used those words carelessly, and Tucker Carlson actually called him a, essentially called him a liar, saying, you're a really smart guy. You could have been on the Supreme Court, which, by the way, is fucking horrifying. Um, and so it doesn't make it not horrifying. Um, um, and basically said, you know, you did not use those words carelessly. And Ted Cruz did the typical Ted Cruz tap dance nonsense and said, no, I only meant the people that attacked the police officers. And I've been using that language for people who attack police officers for years, which is probably true. But that whole mob attacked our fucking democracy. And now Ted Cruz being a spineless jellyfish piece of garbage is nothing surprising. He's such a fucking dope. He actually was in a contested Senate relationship or Senate relationship, Senate uh, race against Beto O'Rourke, who's a fucking moron. I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm getting fired up now. I'm gonna try to cool off. But Ted Cruz looked like a groveling, wheezy little bitch on Fox News, and I hope he gets held accountable by his voters for it. He won't. Um... I know. <laughs> He won't. No, they'll 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 definitely vote for him again. I mean, you know, I can't. Can you imagine being a sitting U.S. senator and needing to go on a show like Tucker Carlson to explain yourself after you make a very accurate, pointed statement that the people who attacked the Capitol were terrorists? Well, I can't like, think about what you just said. I mean, like, think about what I just said. Take about take, take away, you know, those people who supported Trump, and just think about when people attack the Capitol. 
doesn't matter who they are. They, you know, police officers ended up dead. People ended up dead. And you call them terrorists, and then you have to go and backpedal. Well, not all of them, only some of them. Only, you know, the few that I really didn't like, but everybody else, you know, who was saying the things that we want to say with the narrative, you know, I'm still in the club. But, you know, we, we should call out these few people. Like, I just can't imagine, like, you're a senator. You go, you tell Tucker Carlson, yeah, I said it, and? Yeah. Well, if you, you, know, if you I have mean, a spot, like, I mean, Trump called his wife ugly and told people that he wasn't sure if his dad killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Was it Lee Harvey Oswald? He was uh, I think it was Lee Harvey yeah. Oswald. Um, okay. Was it JFK? I thought it was, okay. Either way, Trump says ridiculous shit about you, and then you insults your wife and you go and grovel and kiss his ass and now to stay on track you have to kiss Tucker Carlson's ass no I can't imagine being that much of a fucking sniveling douche um, yeah, I mean like first of all Rick, look, I mean sorry I'm breaking the uh, no I'm, name calling rule no, badly no but. no no it's fine I mean for Ted Cruz I suppose it's okay but you know look I mean I'm, I'm a you know I'm a bit of a hothead myself and, and look you, you you go after my wife you, you go after my, my father and family on national media I'm not debating you. Like I'm going to, I'm going to find you. Like we're gonna, we're gonna discuss this face to face in person. Um, and there's not gonna be a handshake after. You know, like I mean, come on. Sure. But that's, I mean, that, that's, I would say what 90, 99 percent of the Republican Party of people who call themselves conservatives right now. No, that's not fair. No, hold on, that's not fair. Um. I would say that's, you know, 98% of the elected uh, GOP, so congressmen and senators who, um, you know, just literally have no spine, save for, you know, a few who have, who have stood up, whether it's Kinzinger or um, Liz, you know, Liz Cheney. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, I mean, Anthony Gonzalez isn't, isn't there anymore, but uh, or isn't running again. Right. He's still there, but. You know, the rest of them, for the most part, I mean, they're, they're all in the same groveling boat, right? Like, I mean, they just, they, 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 they can't, they don't have a platform as a party, right? Like, it's just whatever the Democrats say, say the opposite. Um, whatever they do, uh, you know, do the opposite. Uh, and then, you know, if that doesn't work or if there's nothing going on, then, you know, let's, uh, let's say something about, uh, a particular group uh, that we don't like, whether it's illegal immigrants or, you know, let's send out some, you know, racist dog whistles. Or Antifa uh, BLM. Through, through, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and, and that's, that's, that's the whole platform. And, and frankly, their voters aren't demanding that they change it. Their voters are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Um, you know, I mean, living in Ohio, spending time, you know, anywhere here in the Midwest, whether it's Ohio, Pennsylvania, Youngstown, Cleveland, Detroit, wherever, um, it's easy to see why they don't need to change, right? Because they, they don't have to say anything. They don't, they really don't have to say much. They say those few little things and people buy it hook, line, and sinker, which makes it really hard to fight because look, I could sit here and talk to them blue in the face directly to people one-on-one. -on -one, and, and actually I could probably make some headway in that moment with just me and that person. Right. If I sit down and talk to a person who believes, like, if, if they're somewhat remotely reasonable, in that moment, I could talk to them and probably get them on the side of common sense. But get them away from, get them away from me out with a group 
right? Just one or two other people and everything that I said goes completely out the other ear. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, once they turn on the TV and they turn on the Fox news or OAN or Newsmax, they're going to drink up what's ever said. They're going to completely forget the conversation that we said. They're going to go to the voter booth and they're going to check the box of the most ridiculous, most Trumpian person that they see and they're a okay with it. The, you know? the, yeah. The, the, delusions. I mean, you asked me if I could imagine what it's like to be a U.S. Senator and have to grovel like that. Can you imagine how awesome it would be if you or I were held to the level of accountability for our words that these people are? I mean, they get away oh, with yeah. literally, I can literally sit here and say the most repugnant racist shit on the planet right now if I was these guys. And then 10 minutes later, talk about how the exact opposite was how I felt. And people say, well, yeah, he said the David Duke is the greatest American who ever lived, but then he said, no, he's not. So clearly he just misspoke. I mean, they get away with fucking murder from a use of English, English language perspective. And it's the lack of accountability is terrifying, really. I mean, and it is, and, and you know, I, look, I blame part of this on the Democrats because the Democrats have not done a great job with messaging for the last 20 years, right? Um, like, yeah, you, you know, you had Clinton and you had Obama, um, but the thing is, Obama was really good with messaging, right? Like, and all you had to do was just kind of follow him and his team, and you really couldn't fuck it up, where, you know, you, you see this sort of evolution to a more progressive party, they feel like they need to be more progressive to push back against um, some of the more extreme aspects of what the conservative party is, um, and what's crazy, but I, I don't want to... I don't want to get too in the weeds there because a lot of the things that the Democrats are proposing, the more you sit down and think about them, are not that progressive, right? Um, no, they're, 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 they're corporate chills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, they're, they're, well, no, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, the idea of, you know, healthcare reform, like, really shouldn't be that progressive of an idea. I don't see how anyone in this country who deals, who, who has to go to a doctor, right, is sitting there. Complete, like, really, like, are you really happy with, you know, paying, you know, four or $500 a month and then, you know, paying co-pays and then getting surprise bills, you know, barely having time to talk to your doctor, like, your best bet to communicate with your doctor is through an app and you hope that they get back to you in three days, um, you know, like, if you really need something you know, having really, really limited options. And then if you go outside of network, you're paying exponentially more. Um, you know, I mean, like there's some people out there who have really good insurance and, and I'm one of them, to be honest right. with you. My and I, and, and I'm not. Right. I mean, like we are on way opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, I pay, you know, for a family plan, I pay a fraction of what you pay and my coverage is, is you know, exponentially much, much better. better. Oh my God. You know, but I mean, like, even even still, you know, when I was in the hospital with my liver and kidney issues, um, there were like, I, I had some pretty serious issues with not only the care I received, but the way the billing and things like that happened after. Um, so it's hard for me to imagine that anyone is really that happy with a healthcare system. And yet the idea of healthcare reform, people absolutely lose their shit. You know, now, look, I'm, I'm, res I am resistant to the idea of a single payer you know, fully government automated sort of, uh, of health insurance type deal. But that's, and I've told you this in the past, it's only because like, look, we need to, I really need to see this gamed and planned out. 
right? Like, I mean, yes, I understand that what we have right now stinks, but I need to see a better laid out plan beyond what I've seen to this point, which is really like a rough outline of what the initial first draft outline should be for something this massive, right? I mean, because a shift into, you know, government providing health insurance um, and coverage, you know, impacts, you know, entire industries, like, you know, all of a sudden your insurance companies go away, you know, so what happens to all those workers, right? Like, and then, you know, how do you get it all into one language that everybody can understand? Um, you know, like how, how do you deal with, you know, the various, there's just so many different things to take into consideration that I just, I need to see something a little bit better than what I've seen to this point, because trying to do something like that, um, just because it seems like the right thing to do is just, is, I mean, could be catastrophic. So you're, you know, you, you know you're running right into my wheelhouse. Um, and I understand what you're saying and the idea that, well, you know, if, if we simplify the tax code, accountants will lose their jobs. If we simplify insurance, people involved in healthcare and billing lose their jobs. That is not insignificant. But there's ways to put safety nets into place. So they say, okay, you know, yeah, you it's fine, to- but, but let me see them. Show okay, me. sure. Okay. Because I haven't seen I because I haven't fucking seen a thing that shows how you're gonna make this transition. I haven't seen a thing that says how you're going to get all the language down to one language where everything going into, you know, going into this, this government health insurance thing is going to make sense so they can handle the coding and the billing and, and, and everything else. And, and how do you, you know, like, like, what, what is it going to like, what's, what's the cost going to be, right? Like, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to doing it. Look, I'm already paying a certain percentage out of my paycheck and paying for co-pays and, and all that other shit anyway. So if you're telling me we're basically going to take all that, wrap it into one payment that everybody pays, um, or you know maybe it doesn't come out of your paycheck, maybe we just increase the tax, whatever. Um, okay, again, that's great, but that's only a, a small percentage of the amount that goes into this sort of transition, and I just need to see more other than it'll make everything better for everybody, and there's safety nets, don't worry about it, we're the government, we got it. Motherfucker, I work for the government, and I know when you guys say there's a safety net and we got it, that means there ain't shit. And there's one guy who has somewhat of a plan, and he doesn't have nearly enough resources to provide what we need. You know, right? like so. You know, I mean, I, I look. I'm with you on this, but I'm just saying it needs to be done right. And I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen anything that lets me know that it's going to be done right. Well, there, there's way too many hands in the cookie jar. There's way too many lobbyists with interests that will fight back and we, we can go down this rabbit hole and you know i would love to i would do, love to do a whole show about it but yeah i, no, bigger, I mean we, and, and we've definitely gotten off track but I, is, my, your my bigger point was the democrats that. should have a slam dunk here and they managed to fuck it up i think yeah i mean that's the point i mean ultimately what we're dealing with right like the, the democrats are not doing a great job of messaging um you know they, they've let their loudest voices you know whether you want to call it the squad or the more progressive end or whatever um really sort of dominate how this goes and then you know they try to catch wind whether it's with black lives matter or whatever group is the loudest protester at the time um and and then they try to just kind of hitch their wagon to these narratives and then it blows up in their face every time and the accumulation of those missteps over the last you know 10 years is or maybe 15 years. Yeah, I would say longer is, than that, in my opinion. Yeah, is, is probably is a big reason why we're here, right? I mean, because there's a lot of people that are in the middle 
right, that voted for Trump and, you know, they held their nose, voted for him, and they didn't like him, and they didn't like the tweets, and they really didn't like his policy. But when they go and they look at the Democrats, they're just like, I don't, like, I don't relate to those people at all one bit, so here I am voting for this idiot again. And, you know, that idiot being Trump. It, you know, and the Democrats' inability to, like, look, I mean, I get that a lot of the stuff that the Democrats are talking about, whether it's health care, um, whether it's the environment, right? Um, you know, like, those, whatever it is, even if it's immigration or, or, or police reform, all those things, none of those things are should be considered really that taboo or that progressive. Right? Like these are things that when you talk to a person one on one, no matter who they are, when you just talk to them one on one and you talk common sense about health, uh, health care, health insurance reform or health care reform or all of health reform. And, and you talk to them about taxes and you talk to them about criminal justice reform and how, you know, the police need to be held to more to more to account. Um, you know, everyone is mostly in line with that. But when you get something shoved in your face in a way um, that you don't like, people push back on it. And, and the Democrats' problem is that they, their whole thing is we're tired of being uh, of incremental progress and we should be able to say it however we want to say it and, and you should just agree and if you don't, you're a racist. That is literally that their whole stick, right? Like It doesn't matter how we say it, if you don't agree with us, you're a racist and we don't want bipartisan incremental progress we want all the progress and everything we want right now and if you can't give us everything we want right now and you don't like the way we say it then you're against us and you're racist and and they're not really that much better than the other side because ultimately like you're shooting you're cutting your nose off to spite your face shoot yourself in the dick whatever you want to say um over and over and over again and then you're not forcing the other side to have a platform you're not forcing them to have a message. Their only message has to be is, hey, these people want to take more of your money uh, and give it away to, to lazy poor people. That's all and and, and let the government control your lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're That's, right. And, you, and, you're and, right. And because for, right, I mean, it's just it, 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 like if you're progressive and, you're, and you don't like the, the, the characterization of it, I, I don't care. Right. Because that's what you're doing. You're continuing to fuck up. Right. Like it's a lot of virtue signaling. Right. It's a lot of you know, 40 to, to, to 20 year old white kids that want to try to guilt everybody into, you know, into thinking that they're the next fucking savior and then they do something dumb, they get burned by the whole group and then they flip and they go ultra conservative. Right? Like that's, I mean, like we're seeing it over and over again. You know, too many people trying to, to, to make up for their past wrongs or whatever it is. So they overcompensate with their ridiculousness as it, as it comes to some of these, some of these issues for the, for the left or progressives or Democrats or whatever, um, and they don't—they end up not helping at all, right? They, they talk real loud. They say a lot of shit on, multi, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, with their Instagram posts and everything else. But A, they're not doing shit on the ground to help people, to help the very people that they're so worried about. Um, and because of the way that they express their message, because of the way they get in people's faces and shout people down, and want to guilt trip you and, and all that other shit, they, they completely turn off people who might be on their side, people they may be able to get if they if they just had uh, a better sense of nuance and a better sense of how to literally recruit people. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, that, you're, you're right. This, there was a Saturday Night Live skit when Dukakis ran against George H.W. Uh, Bush where George H.W. Bush, played by Dana Carvey, just says a bunch of nonsense 
and they say, Mr. Dukakis, your rebuttal. And his reply is, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. <laughs> and that's kind of what you're saying. Like, you know, we're Democrats are losing to nonsense trolls, just, you know, their inability to force a, you know, a, a cogent response and an actual plan out of Republicans and just say, okay, we're saying this, you, you object, what's your plan? And, you know, other than I'm not a communist, I don't know what is out there, but that seems to be working because Democrats have done a shitty job of pushing back. So while I'm not happy about what you're saying, you're not you know, wrong. I mean, and, and, and a prime example is healthcare, right? Like they, like the, the, the Republicans so bad wanted, uh, you know, the American Care, the, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. They so bad they didn't want it to go through, and once they did, they've been they're challenging it up up till this year, right, in the Supreme Court. And you know, everyone kept saying, "All right, cool. So what's your plan? Oh, it's coming. It's yeah, it's coming. Right. Like you, you've had literally twelve years to work on it, and you've got I nothing. Mean, I think Trump said on day one he will have his plan in place, and in, in, in a month. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just and, and we, but you could literally go down the line with that with, you know, a lot of these positions, a lot of things with with the with the Republicans and the GOP. Um, and it's like, all right, fine. If ours is so terrible, then what's yours? Because look, you may not like our plan, but the issue, the problem, whatever it is, whether it's healthcare, whether it's criminal justice reform, or whether whatever, it's affecting your people too. Sure. Right. I mean, because uh, you know, I mean, like, if you don't think that the criminal justice system and the way that it operates right now doesn't impact lower income, poor white people, you are you are sadly mistaken. You know, it's and, funny though. Are good. No, no, no. What, what you were saying about uh, in, the, in the very beginning of the show about how the insurrectionists are you know difficult to handle, difficult to prosecute. One thing that the right has been very clear about through their silence is that they don't care how inefficiently the system processes poor people who are guilty of crimes. I mean, I'm, Khalif Brower's uh, name is just pounding in my head right now. Because he was accused of shoplifting a backpack or stealing a backpack. And he spent three years without ever getting a fucking court date because he wouldn't admit that he did something that he didn't do. And no one, yeah, I, and none of the people who are upset about the, the January 6th insurrectionists, I'll call them terrorists, fuck them. Uh, none of those people give a shit about that. And that's a kid who was literally killed by the system. So, well, what's interesting is that, you know, a lot of the people who, you know, not only the, the, the people, you know, a lot of people involved with the same six thing that are being held in federal prison, you know, they're all decrying how bad the conditions are. Right. Like, or they're all crying about how bad the conditions are. And they're just like, this is terrible. People shouldn't have to live like this. And, you know, meanwhile, me sitting here like, yeah, no shit. I've been saying that, you know, since fucking 2004, my first year of law school, when, you know, I had to you go over to the six and yeah. You know, I, got, I had to go over to 26 in California to go talk to my, to, you know, to go talk to my client. And I'm literally standing in a giant cage that should probably fit about 20 people that had 70 people in it. There was one toilet with no walls, no nothing, and a piece of a roll of soggy toilet paper right next to it. And, you know, you got all these guys and they've been there for hours stuck in this cage. Um, and so... Like yeah, and yeah, that was counting, and this is this, you know, this is federal. But sure. the point is, like, these are the sort of things that need to be resolved and fixed. Not a lot, not to mention with the way that police do their jobs, right? I mean, and and look, I think that 
how police do their jobs is a delicate issue right? because like you know we need the police to be uh, uh you know literally more respectful of people's rights but at the same time we do have people that are very dangerous that are very bold and they don't give a fuck right like they're, they're not sure. activists these people are just flat out fucking psych psychopath criminals um and some of them do make it very dangerous for the police out there and you have to be able to acknowledge that you've got some really bad people out there who need to be policed aggressively and again two things can be true at once the police need to do a better job of how they deal with majority of the people that they deal with right and there's right. a lot of they're, they're, you know yeah there are good police out there that's fine that's great and you know most police interactions with civilians don't have any sort of negative uh action or recourse or whatsoever but we've got enough of the bad shit that happens we've got enough bad cops where there's a problem we've gone so long without actual police accountability that it is an issue and you're seeing places some of these suburbs where the police are out of control and it's not the black people that are complaining it's the white citizens who live there right like so look at some point in time you're gonna have to deal with this stuff or if you don't then i mean you're really talking about the collapse of a democracy. Yeah, you know, so I'm going to go a little bit off, out, out of uh, order here, but on the topic of police and good police and bad police and, and dealing with bad people, um, I've been working in the Bradley, Illinois area, and on December 30th, uh, when I was not yet in town, um, a pair of uh, Bradley, Illinois police officers were shot, one of them fatally, um, Marlene Mar Marlene Ritmonic, um was fatally was fatally shot, and her partner Tyler Bailey was shot in the head. And I don't know his current status. He was in critical condition. And what basically happened was they were responding to a complaint about dogs in a vehicle in the parking lot of the Comfort Inn in Bradley, Illinois, which is one door down from where I was staying. So I'm reading the story about the Comfort Inn in Bradley, Illinois, and I'm looking out my window and seeing the Comfort Inn in Bradley, Illinois. And it's a horrible story. I mean, this 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 woman, apparently, the, the officer, was shot with her own gun when the man that killed her, uh, his gun jammed, and she's begging for her life as he wrestles the gun away from her uh, and murders her. Um, and... You know, again, for me, it was just like I'm reading about this and looking out my window going, holy shit, that's there. Um, and it had a really interesting experience after that because I was in the uh, Italian restaurant slash bar, a 50-yard walk from the hotel, and a couple of folks who had gone to the memorial service for uh, Marlene Ritmanic came in. And the one guy had a badge on when he came in, and he was wearing a suit, and he put the badge in his pocket after he uh, sat down. And I ended up in a conversation with them. And first of all, everything they said about her was what you would want out of a cop. They said that she was in the job for the right reasons. And she was a you know, very caring person in her community. She was very well respected and liked. Um, and she did the job the right way. And the, so the, the three people I ended up talking to, one was uh, the, a retired uh, uh, fire chief. One was a retired a uh, police officer from that area, and the third was a retired defense attorney. So it was nice to be in a crowd where I'm the young guy. But um, you know, they said they said all kinds of just wonderful things about uh, this this officer. And the retired cop talked about how um, you know it's easy for you citizens to sit there and say you shouldn't draw your gun, but um, you know when you're in that life and death situation, uh, it's 
you know, it's scary. And unless you have the training and the understanding, you really don't know. And I'm like, I understand that now. I, I did point out there's also lots of abuses. And he agreed. We had a very civil, reasonable conversation. Um, there's also a lot of cops who have the training who managed to fuck it up. Because yeah, they sure. don't have sure. nearly as much training as you are trying to hint that they do. Uh, 100% agreed. 100% agreed. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's a, a, a whole different conversation. You're 100% correct that it seems that the training levels are not what they should be. Uh, it, 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 it does break my heart a bit, though, that this woman was killed in probably in part because she wasn't trigger happy. I mean, the fact that her gun got taken away from her says it probably wasn't drawn and pointed at the guy, which normally I would say don't point a gun unless you're going to use it. But in this case, um, I, I wish he had. Uh, now, there's a kind of funny side to this story. I'm sitting in this restaurant with three edibles in my pocket. And there's but you know, badges. I didn't know, at, the, at first I didn't know that the fire uh, former fire chief his badge was for fire, not for policing. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to take this edible so badly. But there's too much going on around me. And after about 10 minutes, it kicks into my head. It's fucking legal in Illinois. I'm not doing anything wrong. So I kind of made a joke about it, ended up in a conversation. And the former fire chief says to me, I'm taking an edible when I go home. I replied, if you don't want to wait, you don't have to. And I offer. So, wait, wait, wait. so, so are you about to tell me that you just went Napoleon Dynamite offering tater top, aka edibles, to a former fire chief of a town? No, right. no, 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 right. no. Napoleon Dynamite denied the delivery of tots and got them crushed in his pocket. I offer. <laughs> actually, mine is probably worse. That's one of the funniest scenes in that stupid fucking movie. Um, but so I offer the guy an edible. I take one. I've got th- two, two left. I warned him that they are 20 milligrams each, so he's supposed to have a half. He then eats a whole one, and he eats the whole one by biting it off of the other one it was attached to, because the packaging isn't great, and then offers me back. I'm like, look, I, I've shared a pen with multiple people, including you, and that's cool, but somehow a dude biting off a chunk of an edible and handing me the remainder, I just didn't <laughs> want that. So I then said... Here, why don't you take this one too? And gave it to him. He walked out without it, and I literally chased him into the parking lot. Like, sir, you you forgot your, your I think it's said you forgot your party favor. But I was doing edibles with the former fire chief of Kankakee County, Illinois, in public, and dude face fucked my other edible. That's so weird. Hey, it, hey, it, you want the other half? Like, no, I don't. Know. I mean, again. I'll, I'll pass a, a vape. I'll pass a joint. I'm not passing a partially eaten edible. I'm sorry. I'm, if that makes yeah, me the weirdo. Hey, look, everybody's got a line. What would you have? Line. All right, Steve, let's do What would you have done? I'm not even, I'm, no, I'm not criticizing you. I would have been like, just fucking keep it before <laughs> eat it. Like, it's, fuck it. Like, also, by the it. way, he took a double dose. He, after he took he's like, how long do these, do these take to kick in? I'm like, well, first of all, you probably should have asked me before you housed one in the middle of a restaurant. And second of all, I'm glad you're two minutes from home because in 30 minutes, you're going to be on cloud nine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, look, he's a former fire chief. Yeah. Thank you, Keith. I, I have faith. True. And, uh, and, and, and it was just, it was just so funny to me. Like I said, I'm, I'm nervously like, I really want to eat this thing, but I saw that guy's badge and I don't want to pull up. And it clicked in my brain. Like, even though I bought them in Michigan and drove through Indiana where it was not legal, now I'm in Illinois and it is. And that goes 
Back to the whole conversation about how stupid our laws regarding cannabis are, and we can do an entire show on that as well. But I, that story uh, to me is just fucking wild. The whole, the, the, the officer getting killed and, and, you know, the community was really sh- uh, shaken up by it. And then the fact that I'm in the bar listening to people talk about this and the story that I was reading on my internet feed, and now I'm in the human experience of people who knew her, people who, you know, were just devastated by her loss. And it was just, it was just a really yeah, surreal thing. It's a really terrible story too. Like the police were called because there was a dog, dog barking and the people answer the door and just come out blazing, basically. Um, it was really, really, really sad. Um, and, and you know, apparently the guy and, had 43 criminal in, convictions in his life. Yeah. I mean, and so people like that, like that, again, those are the people where, like, I don't care how progressive left you are. Don't sit here and tell me that, well, you know, bad policing made him do that. No, no. Like, that dude, like, 43 criminal convictions or, or run it or arrest yeah. or whatever. It might like, be arrest. At some point, like, you, you've got to look at a person and just like, look, you can't be trusted to make the right decision. Right? Like, so, like, these and, – and where people need to really – like, and again, where a lot of these conversations – like there, there aren't broad sweeping measures that we can do, right? Like we've got this one idea and if we apply it to everybody across the board, it'll fix all the things. No, look, lowering bail for minimal, for, you know, for dumb little crimes makes sense. Lowered bail for someone who, who is committing violent crimes or has a track record of violent crime uh, or, or what, what have you, like you have to be able to look at these situations um, and and provide some some truly objective analysis to does it make sense to let this person out of prison um, or are they a danger to society and this guy clearly was and it ended up costing one officer her life and another officer you know fighting like, for his life serious, yeah. yeah fighting for his life and and uh, you know like that that's what you have to look at and be like look man uh, you know and yeah they're gonna go after this guy they caught them both and they they're, they're going to charge them. And they're going to get sentenced to life and everything else like that now, but I'm, you know, I'm sure the guy probably had a warrant out for his arrest. He did. He, he, he did, and it was for I think armed robbery. I could be wrong about that. Right. It was something I mean, like that. No, it, it was because I, I read the story, and it's just like, why is he out on bail? I'm sorry, like we can't, like you got it. There's, a, there's, yes, we need compassion in the legal system, but we got to be smart. Like if you've got a person who's proven that they would just, they. they are unredeemable and maybe the system ran them but they get to a point where they're unredeemable you have got to be smarter than just saying well everyone's saying that we need to be you know we need to be more lenient so this guy who's a proven psychopath we're just gonna let go yeah. well congratulations that decision got you know one cop murdered and another one fucking you know fighting for their life because like look you got a chalk record like you got and you get and you got a warrant out for armed robbery no 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 so you are going to jail Right, like we're going sure. to go hunt you down, find you. Like we're not going to just hope that you turn up. We're going to go get you, and we're going to throw your ass in the in lockup until you go to court. And you know, if they do that, guess what? You know, maybe maybe this officer still alive. Yeah, and and I again, I can't help but going back to Khalif Browder and saying that they treated that kid like he was the guy that we're talking about now, and they treated that guy like someone who stole a backpack, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, well, no, no, mind you, he had a warrant out, right? Which means that he had done it, but true, 
um, you know, like, so, I mean, it, we need to, we need to clarify there, right? Like there's one after there's arrest that, you know, that didn't True. skip bail. That's a whole different conversation, yeah. you know, like, I mean, so there, there is a difference between warrant and bail and I cross that up and, and, um, I, I, we, we do need to clarify, you know, like, so if there's a warrant yeah. out, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was caught and let go. Um, it, it was a weird thing for me because I was so close to the situation and like yeah. reading about mm-hmm. it on the internet, mm-hmm. it pops up my feed. Um, a few friends of mine said they read about that story and like, oh, you were right there. I'm like, yep, I was right there. And then I'm I mean, listening to people talk. You could have, I mean, you could have easily walked outside while you know when those two sure. people were in theory. In theory, sure. Which which leads to a whole question. Like, I don't bring a firearm with me when I travel to Illinois, and mostly because mm-hmm. Illinois gun laws are extraordinarily aggressive, and I don't want to go to jail because I have something in my suitcase. This made me rethink that. I'm going to stick with my current strategy, but it really made me think. And you and I had a brief text exchange about this. Like you asked me if I, if I, you know, pack a gun when I travel. I told you no, and it wouldn't shock me if you kind of went. Eh. <laughs> I mean, I did. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, look, like where where you're at, like I mean, you know, people. I mean, it's not Kentucky is literally in the sticks, about an hour outside of Chicago. Um, but look, I mean, small town, Midwest, you don't, you really don't know anybody there. Um, you know, now, I mean, I would argue like, okay, you know, because of Illinois gun laws and maybe you got to figure out some sort of alternative and, you know, a shotgun isn't ideal, but I don't know if you, if if you've got, uh, uh, some sort of a compact shotgun, it may not be bad to at least, you know, have it with you. I I think their laws are even strict against, uh, long guns, but... Probably no, I, not. I, I don't know. I mean, like I, 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 you know, I haven't lived there forever, and I right. haven't really. And you were I, in Chicago, which is where all those <laughs> laws right. are extraordinarily strict. All right, I mean, man. Oddly enough, oddly enough, with all those strict laws, they still have ridiculous gun violence. You know yeah, works. interesting, interesting. All right, um, I want to move on to a couple other things because first, yeah. Elizabeth Holmes convicted on four or five counts. She's going to spend a substantial amount of time in prison. That we've talked about that story a bunch of times. She was the founder of Theranos and was just a psycho. But yeah, I mean, look, the more I look at that story, I think yeah, she she was she was a dipshit. She's like, yeah, I, was she or I think she was more. I think she was playing a role. Right? Like when you you know you watch the the the, the documentary and they play it up, but the more you listen to the evidence and everything else, I mean, I don't think she was really being anything different than what uh, uh, Silicon Valley is, right? Like a a lot of these companies are, it's mostly young white dudes, you know, around her same age. Everyone's talking about how young she was, but most of these startups are all young white dudes under the age of 30, under the age of 25 with an idea. Um, And, you know, maybe they're a dropout from an Ivy League or Stanford or whatever. But they can sell, you know, really wealthy people. The venture capitalists are basically, you know, riverboat gamblers. And, you know, they dump, you know, millions, if not billions of dollars in the startups that fail, right? Like most venture capitalists, you know, they say if they got a 20% hit rate, then that's really good. Um, But the issue was where she screwed up, right? If you're somebody with an app, Uber, whatever, you're saying this is going to be the greatest thing to, you know, this is going to revolutionize how people, how, how people travel, 
right? It may be bullshit, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily fraud, right? Like just because you, you know, like you, you've got this app, you're thinking about it, um, you're trying to sell it, you're trying to pitch it, and say, making a statement that this is going to revolutionize how people travel and transportation isn't fraud. Right? It may not no, be, but what she did it, was it, falsify well, that's data. that's what I'm getting to. Well, that's what I'm getting to, right? Where the difference is she's coming in and saying this is not only going to revolutionize healthcare, this is going to reduce times, and this is how it's going to do it. And then when your machines don't, literally through multiple tests don't do anything remotely close to what you say that they're going to do, and you go in and you start falsifying data and changing results and using other machines that other companies make and then trying to reduce their time of producing results and everything else or the amount of blood required for the test. And then you're saying, oh, it's going to be able to detect, you know, 30 different diseases and all sort of shit and come to find out it doesn't do any of that. Um, well, yeah, that's what, that's where you run into fraud. She took this, she took the, the, you know, the, the fighter pilot cocky jock attitude that a lot of these young startup mostly guys have. Um, and she played it perfect, except when she got to the point where she started falsifying data, lying to investors, lying. And the worst part about it is really what they got her for was the lying to investors and basically fleecing them out of money and the fraud. But what she really didn't get banged for is the, the you know, the, the, the people Right? Like the average person who said, or who went to Walgreens, right? who had partnered with Theranos and got this blood test and it wasn't accurate. It didn't do anything that it said it was going to do. And they were relying on that, hoping that they wouldn't have to give as much blood to check their diabetes or hoping that they could just do a simple blood test and would tell them if they were pregnant or not. Hoping that if they got this blood test, it could tell them that if they had heart disease or cancer or all this other right. stuff. Um, you know, those people really don't see any sort of recourse from this. It's the people who dumped a lot of money into it that do. Um, which seems a little bit backwards, but I mean, look, she's going to jail for probably a minimum of 10 years, I would have to imagine. Um, and there's, you know, maybe out before that with good behavior. Um, they could probably stack her up to, a, to at least 20 where she gets out in, you know, uh, uh, obviously less than 2015 ish. But, um, you know, good that she's found guilty. Um, you know, I, I don't have any, I, I won't lose any sleep over it either way. Um, I think there's a bigger problem that they that needs to be addressed in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, just you know, indiscriminately throwing money at you know, good-looking white Asian Indian guy who comes to you with an idea. Um, and mostly the reason why is because like you would they, like they don't do it for for young black kids who have these same sort of possibly transformative ideas, right? Like you know, you, you know, like the, the the hit rate for for black people, you know, that go in the Silicon Valley with the same sort of ideas and same sort of concepts as, as a lot of these other different white kids, like these kids don't even get in the door, right? Like, so it's just like, look, if you, all, if, if, if you guys are just going to throw money, then at least make it somewhat fair, right? Like, but now you guys are literally like, cause like, look, you're not like, all you're doing is banking on somebody with an idea, right? Like you, like they, they literally come with very little to these venture capitalists in terms of a way of proof that this is even worth investing in. So if you're going to do that, why not spread the wealth and at least throw it at everybody and see who hits? But no, they're doing that in a very specific group, right? It's young white males under the age of 30. Maybe they went to Ivy League school. Maybe they graduated. Maybe they didn't. And they actually like the guys who didn't graduate because that gives you gates and that gives you, um, 
Zuckerberg. Uh, Zuckerberg and Musk and all these other Musk, guys. Who, no, Musk did graduate. Whatever. You, you, you get my point, right? Yep. It's all that, that same sort of... He, he's a chemical engineer, guys. so I'm defensive. Okay. Well, no one gives a fuck. Either way, congratulations. He's the richest guy in the world, but he's a complete asshole. Right? <laughs> so... Um, but either, but and he like, and also his situation is different because he's not, he didn't even get it wasn't even venture capitalism, right? Like it started off rich. Um, you know, I mean, his family, yeah, 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 emerald mine. So nothing, nothing um, shady about a South African emerald mine, Steve. Exactly. So I mean, I just I, like so for for these venture capitalists, like on the one hand, it's like, well, you guys got burned again because like I, like I don't care because you're not, get, you know, I mean, like you're not. You know, like if I go to if I go to Silicon Valley, like there's no way in hell I'm, I'm going to even be able to get in front of anybody, no matter who I know. So it's like if they get burned, fuck them. But like in this particular instance, um, I think that they do need to start to take a bigger look because, you know, fortunately, this all fell apart because it was a house of cards. But look, if it was a little bit more sturdy, who knows how many people this could have actually hurt. If it actually yeah. went a little bit further, if they would have gone a little bit further and how they lied about what they were able to do. That, that's the, um, yeah, that's the bigger point, right? Because right. in hu humans relying on something that ends up being, as you just said, a house of cards, I'm not going to get this looked after because Theranos told me I don't have disease X exactly. and now I'm dying from it because I trusted someone that shouldn't have been trusted. Um, I don't... Right. I, I don't or, or, or you, could, you know, I mean, just you know, like what if it's a pregnancy test, right? Oh, it says I'm negative, right? Right. So it's it's a 99 percent sure, and so I'm gonna go out and have as many drinks, and I'm gonna drink or smoke a bunch of cigarettes, and smoke pot, and do cocaine, and oh no, you're really pregnant, and now your kid's retarded. Like, I mean, it's yeah, just, that's, that, not, not, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the most delicate way to say thing. it, but you're not wrong. Um, oh. But so, also in legal news, uh, the 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 men who killed Ahmad Arbery were sentenced. So the guy, is, it's Roddy is the only thing I can remember his name, was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole, and the McMichaels uh, were both sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Um, that seems yeah, reasonable. I mean, yeah, all reasonable. Like, look, and the one thing I like about this is that the judge in this case, he took a, he took a minute. He said, look, I'm going to do a, a silent minute, and, you know, over the course of that period of time, it's only a... It, this one minute is only a fraction of the amount of time that Ahmad Arbery spent running from these men who were chasing him with guns, running for his life, which ultimately he was not successfully able to do. So he sat there in silence, a moment of silence for a full minute, while this kid, you know, and, and it symbolizes a fraction of the amount of time that this kid ran with people chasing him who ultimately ended up killing him. And I thought that was a very, um, uh, it's a great point to make. Um, and does it remind it, you of anything? Because it's reminding me of something. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and we we had yeah, we we did something similar. But I mean, like, look, it's it's one thing to do it on a podcast. Whole other thing to do it True. in a court of law. True. When you're about to when you're about to lay down uh, two life, you know, three life sentences, one with the possibility of parole. Um, you know, and, and just just and to let hope, people know, we're talking about when Laquan McDonald was shot in Chicago. The first shot and the last shot were fired 14 seconds apart. And we sat there silently for 14 seconds, and I remember it feeling like an eternity. I can only imagine that's what it was like in the courtroom. Yeah, it, it, you know, I mean, and look, I have no issue with, with the way that these sentences went down. I mean, like, yeah, 
uh, Roddy, whatever, like, yeah, he's he's got the possibility of parole, but look, the guy doesn't look like he's in the greatest of health. He's going to do at least 20-plus years in prison. Um, these guys also still have a federal trial to right. look forward to. Um, and so the reality is, is that even, you know, and uh, this, the, the Roddy guy is, is also facing federal charges. Um, so even on the out chance that he does get paroled from the state, he's rolling right into federal prison. You know, and, and, um, or, or, or depending on how that sentence lays out, like they, they, he may get life without the possibility of parole or something along those lines. So, like, either way, all three of these men are going to die in prison. Yep. I, so I, I, I feel very confident saying all three of these men are going to die in prison. Uh, and frankly, that's the way it should be. You hunted that kid down for no goddamn good reason other than you were just racist pieces of shit. Yeah. You know, like you had, there's, there's no law that supports anything that you did. Uh, you just did it because there was a black guy in your neighborhood, and you 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 felt like it. You were ready to go on a hunt, so you did. Well, and you and you uh, believed that you could do it with with impunity. And the, right. and the you, ultimate and irony you, is, your buddy Roddy filming this is what brought you down, which yeah. is just like. Now, <laughs> the big question I still have is how the video got out. I'm very curious how who leaked it, um, and what their motivation was. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's literally the one unanswered question. You wonder if it's somebody in that department who was just like, look, this isn't being handled right. I don't feel good about it, so I'm going to leak it, and whatever happens, happens, um, because we still don't know that. Um, that's the one interesting thing I would love to see come out of this case. And remember, the original prosecutor... Um, wasn't going to press charges, right? Well, yeah, she wasn't going to press charges and didn't. A different prosecutor ends up pressing the charges, and now she is facing, she's been charged and faces a trial over her inaction in this case, um, which I can't imagine is going to go well for her. So maybe in that particular case, I'm not sure how, but maybe there's a chance we find out how this video got leaked, where she says, look, I realized I screwed up, so I leaked the video. I know it doesn't really do much in terms of justice, but at least it got us this. And so maybe she used that as some sort of leverage to get herself um, a lighter sentence. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I, that's literally the only thing really left uh, with the question mark for me is who released the video? Yeah, well, you know, it, came, it came from Roddy's phone, phone, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm sure it was seized. Probably, and yep, yep. Yeah, and maybe it was him. Maybe, maybe maybe it was him, but you would think that he, you know, if he did, then he steps up and says, yeah, I totally released it because I felt what, what happened was wrong, and I wasn't chasing him down. I was just recording like everybody does, World Star Hip Hop, and, <laughs> you know, next thing I know, the kid's dead, right? Like, that's, that, you know, like, and I think he tried that defense as to why he was recording it, but he never... I don't think he said anything about leaking the tape, so yeah, um, I think that question is still I, I, Yeah, I don't think he's that bright. Uh, all right, we've got two more yeah, things we've got to talk, talk about. Um, I'll let you choose the order. So Sidney Poitier passed away, and Ben Roethlisberger probably played his last um, game. Well, let's talk, about ben. Okay. let's talk about Ben Roethlisberger first. And so obviously I'm a diehard Steeler fan. Um, I'm a big fan of Ben Roethlisberger. He played his last home game uh, last weekend. He's going to play probably likely his last game as a Steeler uh, tomorrow or Sunday when we release this. Uh, in Baltimore, um, you know, Steelers have an outside shot of making the playoffs. They need to win. And then Jacksonville needs to beat Indianapolis, which in theory could happen, but I doubt it. 
Well, Indianapolis doesn't have a great record in Jacksonville. Um, you know, in Ben's last game, it was a Monday night game against the Browns. It was literally a swan song to Ben. I can't imagine being a Browns fan and watching it. I, it would make me sick. Um, uh, some of my Browns fans me. friends had things to say on social media that were pretty entertaining. I'm, I'm sure. Um, you know, I mean, like, look, Ben dominated the Browns. And, like, look, I mean, like, hate him or love him, like, the dude's, like, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, and there's, there's not, there's no question about it, right? If you look at where he is with touchdowns and passing yards and wins, and, you know, he's, you know, there's only four guys who have more Super Bowls than him, and he's tied with a few others. And there's no doubt he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, but I've made the point lately a couple times, um, you know, extemporaneously that, look, this will never happen. But if the Hall of Fame came and said, look, Ben's a great player, but he's not going in the Hall of Fame because of the sexual assault and rape allegations, I would not lose sleep over it. Um, I know that he was never found guilty, but those allegations... He was never charged. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, he was never charged and he was never found guilty, but it was a really ugly situation down in Georgia. Uh, again, back in this hellhole. But, um, you know, it happened down at a bar in Georgia. Um, allegedly videos got erased and he followed a girl into a bathroom. None of the offensive linemen may or may not have stood in front of the door while he was in there. Um, you, you know, there's, there's various stories on what happened. You, you know, maybe he just tried to get his hand down her pants or whatever. But look, uh, and, and then there was another girl who came forward as well that he ultimately ends up settling with not long after. Um, and those are serious things, you know. And as, as a dad of a daughter, um, you know, people you know, getting away with this without at least at minimum being properly investigated, um, that, that, that bothers me, right? Because if, if my daughter says something like that happens to her and all of a sudden there's no video evidence because, you know, the bar owner says, oh, the videos didn't work. I mean, they got erased or whatever. Um, you got people talking about they were guarding the door and, and, and various, like, listen, um, I'm not going to gently just accept all that. Um, and I'm going to demand that it get investigated. And had that happened to my daughter, uh, and, and it ends in that result, right? Well, um, I, I can't say that it's going to end well, right? Um, and, and everyone says, oh, well, everybody said, yeah, that's fine. And, and Jim, you know me well enough. I don't think that, you know, if you think that I'm just saying it just to, to seem like a tough guy, then, then okay, fine. But, if something like that happens to my daughter, it doesn't it doesn't end with me going peacefully or accepting it peacefully. Um, Honestly, Steve, a, if something ha- like that happened to your daughter, I might try to shoot first and give you an alibi, <laughs> which, which <laughs> frankly, you know which going. frankly might anger you towards me. <laughs> but because you, you know I'm going, you, you know I'm going after him. It just, yeah, I just oh, am, uh, I and, and um, I would have your back in any way possible. Um, it just, it just, and and that sits with me. Now look. I will also say that I can absolutely compartmentalize and, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that I, I don't deserve blame for people like Ben Roethlisberger, but my thought is like, look, I think he needs to be held. I thought he should have been held to more account then. He wasn't. Um, it, it, it emotionally bothered me for a while, but the Steelers didn't cut him. He continued to play and I had to make, him a, deci- make a decision. Like he wasn't found, he wasn't charged. He wasn't found guilty of a crime. Uh, so ultimately, I made my peace with it. 
um, and wants to still do, go on to win Super Bowls, win a lot of games, throw a lot of yards, and, and, and create some really great moments. But I will also say that I've watched him, um, and, I, and I have friends that work for the Steelers organization and people in Pittsburgh that say he's a completely different guy now than he was. Um, he's got a family. He's got daughters um, or a daughter. Um, you know, by all accounts, he has he has he's a better person um and ultimately that's what you want now i you know again if i'm that girl's dad or whatever I'm, I'm, or that know, girl. Want, yeah i mean I, I still want blood but um you know so i'm a firm believer in redemption because i've made plenty of really shitty mistakes and decisions in my life um so i do believe in redemption uh but that still doesn't really make any thing right that happened back in what was that 2006 or whatever it was yeah. so um you know look i appreciate the memories i appreciate the two super bowls the play against the colts that saves that game so they get to the super bowl so they can beat seattle and get jerome that is his super bowl i appreciate the game before that in denver where he absolutely lit them up um i appreciate the super bowl where the best play was James Harrison's interception return for a 100-yard touchdown, but his throw to San Antonio Holmes for that touchdown at the end of the game was just the shit that stories are made of. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, the, 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 the games against Baltimore where he shrugs off Terrell Suggs to throw that ball out of bounds, where he then turns around two plays later and gets the ball to, the ball to Isaac Redmond for a touchdown to beat the Ravens. Um, you know, a, a number of the wins against the Ravens, uh, look, we got him. He was he was a true stealer. He was a great player. Um, he will forever have that black mark and asterisk um, on you know on his record for me. Um, but like I said, I, I can come. I can compartmentalize, and I don't like it. And it doesn't. I don't. I don't feel good about it. But I did for the last however many years, um, you yeah. know, fifteen years or whatever it was. And so I I have to live with that. But. He, 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 he did his job very well for a long time. Um, he deserves those accolades uh, because, frankly, if, if you're with some of, a lot of the people who haven't been held to account, right, um, you know, I mean, I can make an argument that, look, people like me have been asking you guys to, to, to hold uh, your police a hell of a lot more accountable for fucking decades, and you refuse to do it. So... You know, pardon me if I'm not going to get my panties in a bunch over Ben Roethlisberger. And I know it doesn't come off clean. I frankly don't give a fuck. You know, it's 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 the whole separate the artist from the art argument. I don't know if it yep. quite holds you know holds up on a football level, but it, that, it that does essentially it absolutely does, right? Like, what's the difference, right? I mean, yeah. there's plenty of yeah. people. There's plenty like, of I love Kevin for... Spacey as an actor. Kevin Spacey is one of my favorite actors ever. He's yeah, been accused Jeffrey. of pretty gross stuff. Right. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of athletes like that, right? I mean, you oh, go sure, back fucking Ty Cobb, right? Ty Cobb was <laughs> a great baseball player and an awful team. He was a horrible yeah. human being. But, you know, but, but, like, but he, but he was held accountable in the court of public opinion for being a scumbag. I mean, he gets yeah. made fun of in Field of Dreams for crying out loud. Yeah, true, true. Um, and you know, a lot of stuff with Ben was swept under the rug and nobody really mentioned it. And I think, to be fair, because he wasn't charged at the time, um, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but I just think that, you know, when you really think about the details of the way that went down, it was ugly. Oh, it was, it was disgusting. Um, I read the police report and, and I remember thinking know, to myself, if I, you know, the, the, the prosecutor in Georgia said, 
he was given the same level of justice as everyone else. And I thought to myself, bullshit. bullshit. If I was accused yeah. of that, I would be in prison for a very long time and I would deserve yeah. it. I mean, and, and I mean, I, look, the Steelers, the Steelers, as I, I like, from very good sources within that organization, Art Rooney, or I'm sorry, Dan Rooney had to be absolutely convinced to not like he was set to cut Ben Roethlisberger, like it, it like is he, all he wanted. Like he all he wanted to do was see Roethlisberger face to face to tell him you are done, and it was a concerted effort within that organization to say, look, we it's ugly, but we think we're gonna do this is gonna blow over. You, he's got to make certain changes in his life and blah 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 blah. But you can't cut him. And Dan Rooney and I would argue, I would be willing to bet. There's part of me that says Dan Rudy may regret the decision still, but the only thing that saved it was that Ben did turn himself and his life around and ended up, you know, raising a really, you know, young, beautiful family. And I think that Dan Rooney, that's how Dan Rooney made peace with it. That's the only thing I can imagine. No, that I mean that that's that's valid. Um you know, you know the, um, the, but I mean I know he wanted he wanted them gone. Like and listen, if you made if you've ever met Dan Rooney um, I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice. Once when I was being recruited to Pitt, um, you know, to, to play at the University of Pittsburgh, he was there, and I got a brief two-minute conversation with him, and it was really, really cool. Um, and then another time at an event, which I didn't get to actually talk to him, but heard him speak, but it was amazing. Uh, he was just a great man, and so you know, uh, if Dan Rooney can be okay with it, then I can too. You know, and it pains me to say anything good about the Steelers, as you know. But one thing I will give Why? that, or because I hate them, because they went to school so in West Virginia. What's that? Oh, oh I went so to school at WVU. I was in suburban Pittsburgh essentially during that's, the Bill Super Bowl yeah, years, and so much shit got talked at me that I just learned to fucking hate them. And they had the <laughs> enough, uh, enough, you know, pers- uh, you know, uh, on the field battles where I, you know, respected them but didn't like them. But just when you've got people in your face all the fucking time, it can make you hate a team. That's 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 fair. Um, um, we got to yeah, talk. Yeah, that leaves. Yeah, that leaves Sidney Poitier, right, Mr. Tibbs, um, from in the heat of the night. Uh, and uh, actually, he didn't win his Oscar for in the heat of the night. He he won. Lilies in the Valley. For, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and Sidney Poitier was just one of those people, man. He was he was a, a calming force, right? Like if Sidney Poitier was in the movie, um, whatever his character was, like it, you knew that the the that characters. Um, was going to be impeccable, and he just—he was an amazing actor. He 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 um, he drew you in, but yet you—he was just his voice, that velvety, smooth delivery, and his timing, and his stern facial expressions. You know, there's a scene, and in the heat of the night, where. Uh, uh, he's talking to the he's talking to one guy, and the guy slaps him, and he immediately slaps the guy back. You know, and the sheriff looks at him like, oh, shit, this nigga's for real. Right. Um, and it's just a great, powerful scene in that movie. Um, and there were so many. And, and you think about it, any time you saw Sidney Poitier in a movie, he just, like, he, he just, he took, he, he took over. And, um, you know, my grandmother was a, oh, my gosh, she loved Sidney Poitier. My grandmother down in Texas. Um I had to see anything he did because that's, you know, like that, it's Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte. That's it. Right. Okay. Those, those, are her, those are her guys. Those were her, 
you know, couples say like, look, if I get one chance to bang a celebrity, you know, uh, you know, mine will be uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Well, for my grandmother, it was Sidney Poitier slash Harry Belafonte, um, and she made no qualms about it. So, um, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, all of Sidney Poitier's movies, uh, Harry Belafonte as well, and listened to a lot of Harry Belafonte's music. And these men were, not only were they titans on the screen, but their role in the civil rights movement and their role in in getting justice for for you know fighting for equality and justice for people who look like me um, and poor people, right? Because Sidney Poitier was huge. It's not only black, but it's also poor. He really he drilled that in the Martin Luther King's head that like we cannot only fight for black people; we have to fight for the poor because this is as much about race or this is as much about class as it is about race. Um, and if we if we only address one, the other will, will neither one will be successful. Um, you know, Ruby Dee is another one. She was in that group, but, but Sidney Poitier, like he, like just um, we lost a great person. We, we lost a legend. Um, you know, and you mix that with 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 the loss of um, Betty White last week. Yeah, um, last week, and it's just it's tough. Um, it I mean, like the good thing is they both died in their mid to late 90s. 90s so it's right. good that they had long lives and and their yeah their art came and, out. And, and, and you know fortunately for betty white like you know people started really expressing how much they loved and appreciated her while she was alive so she got to embrace that um you know city Poitier, a little bit different right didn't have the same sort of like like you know sort of uh i mean she was still an active actress as part of it right yeah I right mean, the city you know city Poitier had definitely slowed down um but he didn't have the same sort of cult following sure. that Betty white did because of you know they're different the, the, different Snick, the snickers commercials right. kind of brought her back right yeah right but um you know like still just very different in their own right but two you know very positive bright lights um in media um in hollywood and um, you know we're 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 better for having experienced them both. Yeah, I I um I really admired both of them, and it, so I saw in the heat of the night after I saw another movie with Sidney Poitier. And by the way, he also had an amazing career off screen. Like he was a director and did a bunch of other cool oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's a movie called Shoot to Kill with Sidney Poitier and Tom Berenger. Yeah. And Kirstie Alley and Clancy Brown, yeah. the Kurgan from uh, the Highlander movie. Kirstie Alley before she... Before she was... Girl. Cheers, Cheers. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and I love that movie. That is the ultimate... It was really good, yeah. You know, it's kind of a weird buddy cop movie. It's country boy, uh, city guy, black guy, white guy. There's a scene in there where <laughs> they're f like a plunge into fr freezing water and they need to literally like build a, like an ice cave and build a fire and get their wet clothes off. And Sidney Poitier is playing a guy who is in shock from, you know, nearly freezing to death. And when, when Tom Berenger is pulling his shirt off, uh, Sidney Poitier says, what are you doing? And Tom Berenger says, haven't you heard about us country boys? And he gives this look of shock and terror. And then Tom Berenger goes, just kidding. But it's a great scene and a really underappreciated movie. And yeah, that was my first exposure yeah. to him. And then I saw In the Heat of the Night. And the They Call Me Mr. Tibbs moment is just so fucking powerful. I'm talking about it. I'm still feeling like the you know hair on my neck stand up. Because yeah. they call me Mr. Tibbs. Fucking awesome. Ugh. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, um, 
yeah, no. Uh, you know, so, you know, obviously, Russian power, uh, Mr. Portier, sir, Sydney Portier. Um, and uh, Jim, you you have a solid weekend, my man. Um, I'm going to go. I got a pork shoulder on my buddy's smoker because I can't go anywhere without smoking meat, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Um, so I'm going to go check on that and then um, do uh, tend to some of my other responsibilities while I'm here. Do your so thing. So you have a good weekend, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, brother. Talk to you soon. Drive safe. Yep. Later, man. We're out. Thank you for listening. We're at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter. We are done. <laughs>